Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter podcast. This is Tony Jones, the Reverend Hunter, joined as always by the Cameron to my Ferris, Brandon. That might be one of my favorite ones yet because I completely get the reference. <laughs> hey man, that is just, uh, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, on another podcast I, I'm on, uh, we've been doing a, a, a generation gap culture hour talk and I'm the Gen Xer and the other guy's the millennial. So kind of like you and me, you know, oh, there you go. Yeah, that's exactly. And it. yeah, it's funny. The different, you know, the, the references Ferris Bueller, that's gotta be a top Gen X reference for sure. Oh, for sure. Well, and I was born in 82. So like anything eighties is still most of the pop culture references I'll get. And then anything throughout the nineties, I'm solid on. Those are my two <laughs> decades where I get pop culture references. The rest. And then it drops off weird. after that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. We've been doing like some, um, we've been looking at TikTok videos and stuff in that other podcast. I'm like, um, no, I am yeah. not. No TikTok for me. See, that's see, that's above me too. I don't do the TikTok. Like the only form of social media I have is sometimes I thumb through Instagram. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, if people are, were on Instagram, they saw what I mentioned the last time we, uh, you and I talked and that is, uh, I went back to South Dakota for a fifth time, Unbelievable. as crazy as that may sound. And I wore my GoPro on my head. So there are on my on the Reverend Hunter Instagram feed, there are a couple videos um, of me shooting pheasants. So that was fun. It was wicked cold, man. Holy <laughs> crap. The third day I was out there, it was one degree. Wow. And... I think 20 to 30 mile an hour winds. And honestly, I had to hunt alone because nobody would go out with me. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised to hear that. I know, I know. Well, the, the Jorge, my buddy out there, he lives in South Dakota. So he's like, well, I can hunt every day. Why would I go when the wind chill is like 40 below? You sure. Know? Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Touche, good point. Good yeah, point. yeah. I mean, yeah. nobody really likes the cold that much. Right, yeah so well hey brandon you, you i want to thank you for live recording a podcast we haven't done so many live in-person recordings since covid over the last uh couple years but we did one this week that is i don't know one of the highlights of of any interview i've done a friend of mine transitioned from male to female in 2021 during COVID. And uh, my friend Sigrid, I had not seen her since the transition. And I asked her, I mean, I, we had been texting and wanting to get together. And I asked her, could I just record our very first conversation about your transition? And I did that because... Um, I thought, well, I mean, the, the one way to do it would be like the, for the two of us to get together, have a cup of coffee. I, you know, I ask, I have so many questions. This cigarette is really my first friend. Like I, I've known people who've transitioned, but I've never had a friend transition. Um, and so we could have had the conversation and then recorded it where I are kind of already knew all the answers and it had kind of been rehearsed. But I just thought, the more authentic and honest conversation would be if we would just record our very first conversation about her transition. And that 
was a super risky thing for her, I think. I mean, it was super courageous. Um, I was nervous to even ask for permission to record that initial conversation. But I am so glad she said yes to it. So we met in her condo here in the Twin Cities. Brandon, you came and yep. and helped us out and recorded it. And it was really a very, very special hour. Yeah, I'm 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 very happy that I got to be a part of it. I actually appreciate you asking me to be there and uh with her feeling comfortable with me being a complete stranger being there for this you know serious conversation. Yeah, so we talk about her transition and we talk about her sobriety which preceded her transition. Um we and and look, she is a hunter and she is a gun enthusiast and a and a gun a firearms instructor. Um, and we talk about that. It's just, you know, in some ways, as I say in the conversation, you know, Sigurd was not the kind of person that I would have expected to transition. Not that you expect anyone to transition, but, but in Sigurd's previous iteration, you know, um, as Mike, um, Mike was so masculine and really into these very stereotypically masculine activities like hunting and, and gun ownership and self-defense and um, martial arts and stuff like that. So, it, yeah, that's why it caught me really off guard. And um, I just think Sigrid's honesty in our conversation was – I just think it's something really, really special. So for a lot of people – for most of us, look, the vast majority of us don't have the kind of feelings in our head or, or the kind of dysphoria in our bodies that Mike had uh, that that precipitated this transition to Sigrid. But so many of us benefit from hearing these stories and learning about it. And look, even if you you know struggle with this idea of transitioning uh, from one gender to another. Um, uh, it, it still is beneficial to hear someone's story because honestly, um, this isn't about data points and this isn't about general cultural movements. This is about an, uh, an actual human being who had an experience of life that led her to make a really dramatic change that came with extraordinary cost and risk. And to hear that story makes us better because we understand the experience of another human being, which is quite honestly core to like every religion, every philosophy, you know, walk a mile in my shoes, um, you know, love one another as I have loved you, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Th this is like the core. So to listen to somebody's story is, is just essential to being better human beings ourselves. And I do hope if, if this touches you, if you find it helpful, that you will share this, you know, maybe share this episode of the podcast with somebody who would also benefit from hearing Sigrid's story. Well, in the future, too, more people are going to be more comfortable with themselves and learn more about themselves. And this will be whatever you want to, however you want to put it, but a more common thing. So why not 
listen and kind of open up your heart and mind a little bit now because it's just going to become more prevalent in the future. That's right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, thanks, everybody, for your continued support, for listening to the Reverend Hunter podcast. And here is my conversation with my beautiful, awesome, courageous friend, Sigrid Nielsen. Hey, friend. Hey. (laughs) I really, first of all, want to, and I mean, I'll set this all up in the intro that Brandon and I do at the beginning of every episode. but. I think this is extraordinarily courageous of you to do this. Thank you. So, I I mean, I don't, I could just say that for an hour, how courageous it is. Um, You're the first person, I mean, I've known other people who've transitioned, but not people I've really known as friends. Mm -hmm. You know, people I knew of or acquaintances or whatever. When I got your email i think it was an email how did how did you or did well, you announce it on facebook yeah maybe? i did i did a facebook and it post. hit me really like it really hit me like a ton of bricks i mean it caused emotion in me not like negative emotion and i'm not trying to make this about me i'm just trying to say like it, it seemed like a big deal it seemed like a big deal mm-hmm. i can't imagine what it was like for you because I'm just seeing this on Facebook. And what I'm thinking, you know, is like in some ways, and this is some of the things I want to talk about, like you, 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 um, in your former, what, what are we going to say? Your former version of yourself or? Yeah, sure. Yeah, my prior as Michael right? version. You, yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you're very, you, there were a lot of very masculine, traditionally or stereotypically masculine things. Mm-hmm. You hunted a lot. You're a firearms instructor. Right. Um, so that's also probably part of surprise, uh, makes it surprising for me and Mm -hmm. for a lot of other people. So what, what got you over the threshold to make the train? I mean, we'll talk, we can talk about other stuff going back further, but like, what was, was there a tipping point moment or an experience or something? Yeah. So, well, let me, um, let me tie it back to you, Tony, for a second. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> because I'd like it to I be mean, more about me. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is your podcast. Um, so let's let's make sure that you get some honorable mention here. Um, first of all, thank you. Um, and um, you know, when you say you were emotional um, and that it really hit you, like I take that very. I appreciate hearing that very much. So, and and I really appreciate your support. The fact is, you know, for most of the time that I have been alive, coming out as trans wouldn't be a very safe thing. Nor would it be something that I would want to tell anybody. Um, but so, you know, you asked me to if I wanted to go turkey hunting with you that spring, this spring. Um, and I was like, well, okay, yes, I do. And I'm kind of busy right now. You did say that, yeah. <laughs> and you, know, you said you're going through a lot, and yeah, okay. And I knew you'd been divorced, and you're single parenting, mm-hmm. and yeah. So, um, I mean, this is what I was going through, yeah. And and so, um, I want to just talk about a few of the things that you mentioned really quick, but 
you know, I grew up, I was born in 1972, and I grew up in an era where if you were born with uh, male genitals, you were a boy, you were masculine, you were a man. And, you know, there are, that's one component, right? It's just one component to gender is what I've found. Because for me, like, growing up in the 70s, in the 80s, and coming of age in the 90s, um, I never had reason to question my gender. But, but what I did feel is always uncomfortable in my own skin. I felt like there was something wrong with me for my whole life. And I did not feel comfortable being me, which is not a great place to be. Um, and, you know, you, you attribute it as a, as a young person, as a kid, to, you know, the teenage years or, you know, life sucks or whatever, you know. Um, and it's just, you know, it's not like it would have been an option to even think about or explore. Like, oh, well, you know, you're uncomfortable in your own skin, maybe. Have you thought maybe you're transgender, that you really were born female? And just so that your listeners know, like, for me, like, I had to learn all this stuff. I've learned this stuff in the last year. And what I've learned is I was born a woman. And I always have been. But I thought that I was a male for 48 years. So what that's called is, um, you know, assigned male at birth or gender assigned at birth. So, you know, I was assigned male at birth. I wasn't born a man and, like, decided one day, I'm going to convert, using air quotes, to a, a, being a woman. Um, I realized that the truth in my body and in my spirit is that I really have been craving um, this feminine energy my whole life. And that, and that I learned a lot of lessons in my childhood and, and growing up that the world was a very, very dangerous place. And that if I wanted to survive, I had to be the toughest and strongest or most clever man that I could possibly be to make it through. And so, as you know, with part of my story, um, I pursued, you know, very masculine things. Um, I became a firearms instructor. So before I started to hunt, you know, I was into um, shooting. And I've always been a really, um, you know, a big student of, of history. You can see my bookshelf. It's full of like, you know, it's military history books and world history. And um, it's fascinating. Well, and you've got guns on the wall and you've got a mount yep. of a deer and you've got a You've got an AR on your bicep. Mm -hmm. Yep, I've got a rifle tattooed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, um, so I've always, you know, put out there that vibe of yeah. masculinity because, um, 
because I never felt safe in the world. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's why also alcohol helped me feel a lot more comfortable in my own skin for many, many years. And that's another part of my story, which we can get into later. But, but you've, just so listeners know, you've been sober for how many yeah, years? Yeah, I've been now? sober 13 years as of January 5th, just a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Is that still a struggle? To take the first drink? Not at all. It's not, it's not a struggle for me at all. Um, for that, I'm grateful. But, um, you know, to, to live. <laughs> to live is a struggle. Yeah, you know, that's, a ch- that's the challenge because alcohol was my solution. And once I took the solution away, that was my main solution. Once I took that away um, in 2009, that's really when my real problems started. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, and just, you know, um, part of that story was that then in 2009, um, in trying to deal with life on life's terms without, I mean, I was grateful not to be um, drunk all the time because I was not, a, I was not, a, I was not doing things that were pleasant or safe. Um, and it was not good for my health and it was not good for my relationships and it wasn't um, good as a young parent to, to be drinking all the time. Um, so I quit. And, um, and then in trying to deal with... Like, how, okay, so now how do I feel comfortable in my own skin again? Because I, I know that I can't, I know that I can't continue drinking. Because that was masking problems or numbing pain. I mean, it's kind of classically self-medicating yeah. internal turmoil. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of knew that. Yeah. So. What got you to stop drinking on January 5th, 2000? Well, I will say that, you know, my spouse at the time yeah. really, um, you know, made an earnest suggestion, and um, you know, I don't, I don't tell this to most people. Um, so this is between you and me. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I was a firearms instructor at the time, and um, you know, you can legally carry a pistol um, even if you've had a drink, but you can't be greater than I think it's, I think it's point. Oh, four. I think it's half. Half, half DUI yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably about one beer. Probably about one beer. Yeah. But if you're an alcoholic like me, like I, the lines started getting really blurred. And I'll tell you what, I started to really become terrified in myself that, because I was carrying a gun and drinking and I did not know when to stop. And I was just, I was just scared. So that doesn't work for everybody, you know. Scared straight, you know. But you know what? I didn't get any DWIs. It's not because I wasn't drinking and driving. And I didn't serve any jail time. It's not because I wasn't doing anything illegal. or, um, You know, so I didn't look like an alcoholic to most people. And I didn't ever admit that I was an alcoholic at the time. But deep down, I knew it. Um, so I did. Um, I quit. As, as they say... Um, Put the plug in the jug. Yeah. <laughs> so they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and you that, probably weren't actually drinking out of jugs. Not a jug. <laughs> not a jug. So, 
um, Grey Goose and Bombay Sapphire. <laughs> anyway. Um, and a Cabernet here and there. <laughs> okay. And there and there and there. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, my life started getting a lot better from yeah. not, not, like, I started to sleep better. I started to have more energy. I started to lose weight. I was, like, feeling better in my body. Like, my life started getting better. Yeah. When we first met, it was around then, I think, because... Yeah. I was I, doing yoga. Yeah, I was taking yoga from your former spouse uh, and during my divorce in 09. That's right. I remember. And then we got together and... It was one of the first things I learned about you was that you were sober. I think it was obviously pretty new at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bummer. I would have liked to party with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, it's funny here you say this guy because now I'm like, I don't even think of myself in that way anymore. I'm sure. I'm and sure. it's okay that you say that because it's like that was your perception of me at the time. Well, at the time, I didn't think I want to party with this girl. No. <laughs> I didn't look anything at all like I look now. So it's the, it's a shame this is a podcast. Your viewers can't see how fabulous I look. So. You do look great. And I, I'm sure people can find you on Insta and... For sure. And, um, and Facebook and stuff. Yeah. So was there another threshold moment like on January? Can you point to... Just like you have your sober birthday, is there a trans birthday for you, or was it more gradual than that? Yeah, well, so I'm just going to give you the Cliff Notes version, but um, you know, my life kept getting worse and worse. Because, and this is, you know, I talked to you about this many times, but you know, like I was writing screenplays, and yeah. I was just like, but then I—that's when I like started hunting, and like I'd spend so much time in the woods, and I was doing yoga, like four days a week and I started running. I was just like, I was doing so much stuff to try and fill my life. And really what it is was this spiritual hole. It was, I was spiritually completely unfulfilled. I was disconnected from the world around me and from my higher power from God, who who I didn't really believe in back then. I know you didn't, because we went to, where did we go, Fujiya for lunch one day. Oh, yeah, the yeah. The two of us. Uh-huh, sounds fun. And and that's what you wanted to talk about, I think, was kind of your loss of faith at the time. Yeah, you know? um, okay. Growing up, growing up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. you know, and then, but I remember you not really feeling like it was real anymore. Yeah. You know? Well, and so... Thank you, and I apologize in nope. retrospect because you know you probably get that a lot. No, no, it's fine. Like, I mean, oh, hey, can I just tell you my problems <laughs> about God? When you go oh, to okay, seminary, you. you just expect that this is going to happen. And every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, the whole family gets in the circle, and my mom looks at me like, "You'll say the prayer, right?" <laughs> so there are certain yeah. things that just come with the. Yeah, Master of Divinity degree, it's right? Fine. Mm-hmm. I get it. No, I, I, yeah. I Master I, of the Divine. I have it. fond memories of that. Of good that conversation, that lunch conversation. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, um, so you know that led me to a lot of things. Um, 
you know, including lots of things that were, you know, detrimental to my relationship with my wife. And, um, and it led me, it led me to the rooms of the 12 step programs. Yeah. So I started working a 12 step program. I admitted that I was an alcoholic. Because in some ways, when you talk about this yoga and running and hunting a hundred days, I mean, I remember, I remember, I remember Instagram posts of you in your ghillie suit Mm -hmm. down like by the Minnesota river, right? Oh, I still wear it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But now you wear it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, In some ways, that's kind of what you classically like dry drunk type Type hundred percent, one hundred percent. You were still an addictive type behavior. Absolutely, you weren't at peace. I was not at peace. I was yeah. not at peace. So, um, you know, it was disconnection from my mind and body, and disconnection from my mind and body with the rest of the world and with the spirit, as you would call it, as I would call it, anyway. You know, one of the great things about drinking for me was that when I drank, I felt connected to other people. Oh. The social lubricant aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But looking back on it now as a sober person, um, that was an illusion too. So I really wasn't connected to other people. I would like get drunk and then I would compare myself to them and be like, oh, I'm so much better than them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or, oh my God, I can't believe what so-and-so did. I'm so glad I'm not them or whatever. So, um, I can really handle my booze. I'm glad. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah, that's how you do that. You do that like, look at what a sloppy drunk that guy is. Right, exactly. (laughs) And see, Tony, if you drank like a normal person, I'd be like, well, I'm going to drink with Tony. He could never keep up. So um, so I'm way better than him. Anyway. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, I mean, I hit another bottom. Um. And I went to my first meeting on June 5th, 2013. So, like, I had my last drink in 2009, but I didn't really start working. Things didn't really start to change for the better for me until 2013. And so, um, that Facebook post that you were talking about, um, that was on June 5th of this year. Of 2021. Um, and that was on my sober birthday. Well, it was on like my program anniversary date. Um, so to be able to share with the world on a day that means so much to me personally because it changed my life forever. Um, to be able to share with the world how my life has changed again, yet again, f- for the better. Um, was powerful. Um, so going back to you again, Tony, your response to that post, um, I'm grateful for very much. Well, it was intense. I, I mean, it was intense to see it and to think of what it must have taken for you to go from the Michael I knew mm-hmm. to the Sigrid you were... <laughs> Yeah. Declaring to the world that you are going to be henceforth. Yeah. So um, I want to comment on that if I can too. Please, yeah. Because for me, I got to tell you, first of all, thank you again um, for honoring my courage 
to do that and speak my truth and live my truth. But living as sacred and declaring to the world without shame that I am female, I am transgender, that I'm not Michael anymore, I'm sacred, and I always have been, it's still easier than it was just being Mike every day. It's so much easier because I was carrying a burden um, that I didn't really know that I was carrying. One of my friends described this analogy um, that's really poignant to me and it's really stuck out. But it's, um, it's kind of like the absence of a toothache. And I don't know if you've heard that before, but... Tony, have you ever had a really bad toothache? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So like you don't do you have one now? No. Okay. Thankfully. Okay, you don't have one now. So it's just normal for you. Right. But if you had that toothache, you would do anything to get rid of it. But what if you had a toothache and you didn't know that you had it? Because that was your normal. That was your norm. Yeah. And so for me, like, coming out as trans, realizing that I was trans and coming out as a woman, as female, um, was like the lifting of this pain that I've had for 48 years. And really, to, to go back to the way I was living would be like drilling right inside my teeth. You know, like I wouldn't choose it for a second. And it's not because, you know, let's face it, Mike was a great guy. He was a good man. He had his flaws. He was doing the best he could. But he was, you know, a great parent and um, a very loving partner in the best way that he could be for a long time to two spouses because <laughs> I have two ex-wives. But, um, you know, he, he was a decent guy. Yeah. And, um, and life was pretty good. And I will tell you, it's exponentially better for me now. Even being a trans woman in America, which has its own challenges, which I am, you know, struggling with now, it's, it pales in comparison to just my baseline every day. It's really hard to explain to you. It's hard to put it into no, I words. No, I can sense it. I can sense it. I mean, I know you're not bullshitting me. It's It's... Obviously true. If I want to just add as evidence, look at how I carry myself. Yeah. Look at how I move through the world. Because you, your listeners can't see it. But look at the smile on my face. That's when my parents knew that this was my truth. They were like, how we have you, not seen yeah. you smile like, like this before. So your parents are in their 60s, 70s? They're in their 70s. 
mid seventies. I mean, my totally parents, boomers. My parents struggled when I got divorced. Like the <laughs> stigma of yeah. divorce. We've never had a divorce in our family. Yeah. So how was that for them? How has this been for them? Um, I have done a lot of work. I have done a lot of work um, in AA and um, working on accepting people at, at their place, where, where they are at, for who they are. Um, because I always wanted to be accepted for who I was. Well, I didn't know who I was, but I wanted to be accepted anyway, you know? And I always felt like I wasn't accepted. So that's part of the problem, right? You know, like, that's what made me feel uncomfortable in my own skin. And it's just like, dummy, it's because you're trans, <laughs> you know? But I didn't know that. So I had done a lot of work on relationships. And my parents and I, even a few years ago, you know, through my second divorce, our relationship got better and better. And it, and it, honestly, it's in a place where it's it's never been better. So I was fortunate enough. And also, like, I have done the work. I have done the work to accept them on their terms. And the miracle of it, and it is a miracle, but the miracle of it is that they were in a place where they could accept me on my terms, you know? So, you know, they didn't, they don't have a, like a remedial class for boomers on like transgender theory. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, if there was, my parents would totally take it though, or they'd teach it. Because they've been my biggest fans and supporters, and and it's kind of it's going to sound silly, but like I get to sh go shopping with my mom now, and you know we talk about makeup and things, you know, and outfits mostly. That's incredible. Um, I communicate differently. I move through the world differently, like I said, and just um, for me, it is a privilege to wake up every morning in my body, which is largely the same as it was in 2013, in 2020, it's the same body with a few minor changes. Yeah, this is my next question. Well, I want, I want to get to that, but I also want to say, while we're just on family, since you've already, you already disclosed that you're a parent, mm -hmm. how's been the, 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 that's the older generation, you know, like... I told my kids the other day, I'm like, I'm the sandwich generation. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm parenting you, and I'm like taking care of my aging mother. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm in the middle of the sandwich. Yeah, and they, like my a, kids just roll their eyes like, give me a break, Dad. You're like a piece of salami. <laughs> you know, poor, poor dad. Yeah. Um, how's your child? Yeah. I mean, my son is a wonderful, wonderful young man. I couldn't be luckier to have him as my son. And, you know, I want to say one of the reasons why I was so unafraid to do this, to come out as trans, is that it has been important for me to make sure that he knows that it's okay to live his truth. Yeah. 
whatever that truth would be. The message that I got as a kid sounds like it's very similar to the one that you had gotten from your parents in that um, not to hate on your parents. I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. No, James, no, it's so. okay. They, they, they can take it. They can take it. <laughs> um, sorry in advance. But you know that there was a right way and a wrong way of doing things. Yeah. That if you were struggling in life, nobody wanted to hear that bullshit. So keep it to yourself. Or you're wrong. Just be happy. Like, we would rather hear that you're happy even if you've been shot. Like, hide it from other people um, than hear your truth. And so God knows I couldn't come out as a trans person in the 80s or the 90s. That's like a sexual deviant, Did it right? occur to you then? Not at all. It, it wasn't even one of the possibilities. It wasn't even a possibility. You know, we're about the same age, but like, no. you know, it was just like, gay was just a theory back then. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and yet, there were gay and trans people that were out back then. You know, I'm not a pioneer. There have been lots of people that have come before me to pave my path, which I am so, so eternally grateful for. Um, but, you know, back to my son, you know, these kids, you know, teenagers, they just, they see, they don't see gender in the same way as we do. That's so true. They don't yeah. see sexuality in the same way we do. You know, I know, I know a big part of your story was that you waited to get married until they made marriage legal for gay people in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. And I'm kind of choking up even just talking about it because, you know, back then I was like, oh, that's cool. Good for Tony. <laughs> but now I'm like, how courageous. Thank you. It was, Yeah. As That's an kind ally, of you to say, as an ally, it was not courageous, but I mean, really, but it, well, it's, but it, it was, made it a was, point. yes, it was, a, it was a symbolic statement that Courtney and I made. Yeah. And so right. message received. I just want to oh, say. Good. Now, f while we're on that topic, just to clarify for people who are, don't maybe fully comprehend everything that goes on with becoming a trans person mm -hmm. or being a trans person. Yeah living a trans life, Tra transitioning from a, a kind of appearing to the world as male to mm -hmm. appearing to the world as female yeah, doesn't necessarily change the gender of persons to whom you are sexually attracted. Correct. Right? Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, I mean, I never, I never have been sexually attracted to men. And I still am not. Um, and, you know, like, so I knew I wasn't gay. You know, I've, I've been confused about sex, though, my whole life. So I, you know, that has a been lot a factor. Of us, a lot of us who were raised Christian have <laughs> been confused yeah. about sex yeah. our lives. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> um, some of the best, 
sexual exploration I ever did was on Lutheran retreat. So, <laughs> um, anyway, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, 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 you know, the letters LGBTQ. Yeah. I identify as three of those: uh-huh. lesbian, trans, and queer. Uh-huh. Yeah, queer because. I don't fit necessarily into the norms yeah. of of my sexuality, of sexuality. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, you kind of, it's my understanding is like queer people that just self-identify as queer. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. Because you know, I'll be honest, like, I'm attracted to men these days. I find myself, interestingly, huh, well, that guy's kind of cute. Um, like, I might take you for my husband, but I don't want to sleep with you. <laughs> Depends on what your checking account has. So. No, I'm just kidding, but only a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, it's um, you have to just have fun with it. Yeah, you have to have fun with now, it. Now, okay, the, back to the body thing. Mm-hmm. So you just said my body's pretty much the same as it was in 2013 when you were presenting to the world as male, and 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 you thought you were male mm-hmm. in 2013. Right. And your your body has changed very little. I mean, you have makeup on. Yeah. Um, and you're growing your hair out. Yeah, well, but, I mean, so my body is so let me let me let me explain what I meant. And you only have to that. disclose as much as you want to, yeah, but totally. I'm interested in that um going from I feel so uncomfortable in my own skin to I really feel comfortable in my own skin. It's yeah. the same skin. It's the same skin. That's so my what, point. What change? Like, what yeah. was the f- the switch that y- flipped? Yeah. So, great question. Um, so, first of all, a couple things. First of all, when I said, you know, my body is largely the same, um, but like for me, like when I wake up in the morning, I'm like. <sighs> wake up in my beautiful feminine body and I feel it. Like, I just feel very, very different. Now, I'm on hormone therapy. So that means um, for a transgender woman, I'm on a testosterone blocker, so a drug that blocks the production of testosterone in my body, which to me, frankly, I look at as just like, it was like taking a little girl um, and putting her on steroids for 40 years. Like, and then, and then like getting frustrated because she's angry all the time. And it's like, yeah, that's what my life was like. Um, so that's, that's traumatic, Tony. It's a trauma, you know, I'm looking back and part of my struggle and journey right now is like looking back at those experiences and going, holy shit, that's traumatic. Because I've always been female, but society and you know it's it wasn't their fault it wasn't done you know like out of malice but yet it happened um these days you'd take a kid um in their preteens and that the kid identifies as trans you just go that's your true gender you know like we can get that person on hormone therapy and they will largely go through puberty in the gender that they feel that they identify with, that that's their true gender. And 
they'll enter life and they won't have as deep a voice as I do. They won't have a large, like my bone structure is that of, of a male. So I don't yeah. have childbearing hips. So my yoga pants don't stay on as well right now. <laughs> um, I've had augmentation surgery. So, um, so my breasts, though they were already growing, so my body already had the instructions of what to do. Once I started doing testosterone blocker and then t- taking estrogen, so I, which I, I'm also on daily, my body started to rewrite itself. My face has started to change its shape, and maybe you can see that I look different than photos that you've seen from me um, as Mike. Um, my body is starting to get more curvy. Um, I've lost a lot of weight. I've lost a lot of muscle mass. My skin is very thinner, and it's also like I bruise very easily and get cuts very easily, which as a hunter was very, you know, it's challenging. Yeah, so plus I'm always breaking nails on the gun range. Um, <laughs> true story. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, and so I've had, I was growing breasts naturally. My body started to grow breasts, you know, so... Was it hard? Did you have to? Um, was it hard to convince a physician to do the surgery or to start you on those drugs? Did you? Ha- Minnesota, have- no. It's it's been wonderful. Like Minnesota is like a a state where you don't need to show like cause or reason or whatever. Okay. It's 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 called it's just like informed consent or okay, something like yeah. that. I don't remember yeah, yeah. the exact terminology, but it's basically like look if if you self-identify this way, we're going to support you in that decision yeah. as long as you know what the risks are and what the benefits are and all that stuff. So you don't have to see a psychiatrist and get, you know, and wait 6 months and Exactly, okay. exactly. Okay. So um so, yeah, I'm very fortunate to have, you know, insurance coverage for a lot of this stuff that that I've had to go through with my medications primarily. So, um, but the thing is, my body parts don't make me a female. It's living my truth does. Because in my journey, you know, like I've met trans people of all kinds now and like oh so you are a woman who wears a dress but has a full beard and you identify as they them you know gender pronouns you are you know non-binary meaning you don't identify as male and don't identify as female you just don't want to identify as a gender great I don't need to know your story or understand you just to be able to respect you and say, okay, I'll call you by your name or if I use a pronoun, I just use they or them. And I go by she, her pronouns. I am 100% female. And I'm trans. But I'm female. And I'm a human being. So you just call me by Sigrid or Ms. Or she or her. <laughs> it's it's can be hard, you know. Yeah. I've I've misgendered people 
mistakenly, mm-hmm. naively in the past. Mm-hmm. There was a I I I was a little nervous coming into this even that I would slip and misgender you. Although I wouldn't be using pronouns in front of you when I'm talking to you. You know, true. Yeah. Um. But knowing you, I'm guessing you're someone who has some grace with people. I who are am. trying to figure this out too Absolutely. with you. Most people are very um, kind and considerate. Yeah. And um, I will correct them and let them know. Um, oh, it's ma'am, honey. It's, you know, I go by ma'am or um, it's she. I go by she. I'm female. Or whatever. Just like, but if it happens more than once, then it's just like, I find it's not even people trying to be mean. It's just people are inattentive in the world. Yeah. People. And honestly, isn't that a spiritual problem? Well, you know how it, I mean, a lot of people are just barely getting through day to day. Yeah. Spiritually. Like, we need to do a better job of listening to each other. You know? And like, for me, that's why, for me, it's also, thank you for asking me to tell my story about my journey um, because it's a privilege to share it. For me, it's a privilege to show the world who I am because I always have known that I am special and worthwhile. But I grew up in a time when I felt like I was worthless and not special. And so for me, even this delayed satisfaction, you know, this deferred joy yeah. that I... To have to wait 48 years. 48 years. Yeah, to do this. Yeah. Yep. And so for me, having worked a program of honesty and having had a connection to a higher power whom I don't understand... And who I actually now refer to as they, them, which makes a lot of sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And having had the courage to experiment wearing women's clothes, I'll just say that it was intended to be kind of like a sexual experimentation. And... Um, I hope that's not too, no, you know, no, for your reader, yeah, readers, your listeners. Um, but it quickly became something other than that. Interesting. And, yeah. and I was like, huh. One morning, I just, I woke up because I just, I knew, I felt, I felt way more comfortable wearing a bra. I like, I felt like an entire weight was lifted from my chest. And I was like, I move through the world differently. I feel differently. And I just, I said to myself, well, you're definitely transgender. That day. I just, you know, like, it wasn't the first day. Yeah. But it was one day, huh. probably in March or April of, of 2021. I was like, you're definitely trans gender. And I don't know what that means. Am I going to be presenting as male sometimes and female sometimes, but, or always female, or 
I don't know, but you need to keep exploring this because this is your truth. So, like, I couldn't have done that unless I was in a place where I felt really connected to, like, spirit, as I don't understand them. I felt safe and secure in the world. I was in relationship with a woman at the time who also made me feel really safe and secure, that I could do that without judgment or um, shame or fear. And it's the opposite of how I had been living my life for the prior 48 years, living in judgment, in shame, in fear. And so, you know, becoming a part of the warrior class, the protector class, becoming a hunter, you know, and you know the joy of being in the woods and, uh, and, and like connecting to nature in a way that, you know, when we're out in the woods and you see a deer that's alive and free and you get the honor to be the predator that can be a part of that deer's life cycle. And then, and then be there, usually in with the animal as it's dying. What a humbling experience. And, and then to then use that animal, its fur, its meat, I use its liver, you know, and, you know, use that in for either, um, sausage or I'll make dog treats out of it. You know, my dogs love that. Um, soap, you've given me I've made deer, deer tallow soap. soap out of fat before. Yep. Um, I use the hide. I use the bones. I make bone broth. So very little goes to waste and whatever is left, you know, obviously the, the entrails, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, the crows got to eat. They, yes. Yeah, they so nature gets fed too. They get their part. Anyway, that experience is the closest I've ever really gotten to connecting to God, to nature, to higher power, you know? To like being in that moment and feeling like really a part of it all as opposed to disconnected disconnected from each other, from nature, from, from spirit. Um, and honestly, since I've transitioned, I rarely feel that way. I feel connected. I feel connected most of the time. It's not hard for me to connect with others. It's not hard for me to connect with, um, um, you know, higher power to trust, trust in God as I don't understand them. And I will say that it's a challenge for me. My biggest challenge is um, with, you know, a few exceptions um, is, you know, male people and masculine people just because it's been, it's been quite a journey. What, um, in, in your, in your firearms instructor world, is mm -hmm. there, is that, is that been weird? Yeah, I've taken so I've taken a lot of time off from a lot of things that I've been doing, um, 
so I'm not doing any like permit to carry stuff anymore just because it's, um, it's been too time consuming, but it's also, um, it's just not where I'm as passionate about. I do coaching. So I do one-on-one firearms coaching with people. Okay. And I have a few clients that, you know, have been, um, ongoing and they're just like, actually, you know, I like to think that this has always been the case, but you know, they get they get more from me than just here's where you put your finger. This is how you pull the trigger. Um, because I'm, what I really talk about when I'm on the range with people is to live a life that's free from fear. Because I've been living in fear most of my life. And I thought I got to a point with Mike where I was living in freedom from fear. And yet, I wasn't quite, I still kind of had that toothache that I didn't know about. So, um, so yeah, you know, for me, living in freedom from fear. Now I'm a trans woman, single, living alone. You know, now I've got even more reason to carry a gun. <laughs> um, yeah. And frankly, you know, there are a lot of trans people out there, you know, I'm laughing about it and joking about it, but, you know, LGBTQ community has been victimized by, they've been victims of violence, you know, at a greater proportion, I think, than a lot of the rest of the world. So, you know, look it up. You guys know the story, I'm sure. Did you hunt this fall? Um, so this fall, I I got out bow hunting just twice. Was it different hunting as a woman than hunting as a man? I loved it. So being out there, it wasn't that much different. Here was my biggest challenge. Um, well, first of all, um, for, so I usually bow hunt in Minnesota for turkey and deer. And then I'll I'll do Wisconsin rifle season. That way, if I shoot a buck in Minnesota with my bow, I could still hunt. You know, because I like deer camp. I love to, and I'm as a shooter, as a firearms shooter, it's a chance for me to like really shine. Yeah, you're a good shot. I'm I sure. love it. Yeah, and I've got you know a lot of. I don't post these pictures to Instagram, but I got a lot of shots, uh, photos of deer's hearts with holes in them oh you know like yeah it's like you drop them where they i shoot them in the heart yeah yeah and a lot of times a lot of times i'm like i was gonna eat that so i'm like (laughs) you know it's like dang it um but anyway that said um one of my biggest struggles uh has been like you know i feel so free as Sigrid, that going back and wearing Mike's clothes was was the biggest challenge. Interesting. And so, like, I, spiritually, I just didn't feel as excited about putting on the man's clothes that I'd been wearing for 10 years to hunt in, or longer, and going back out into the woods... So it was, I had mixed feelings about it, Tony. Like, I love being in the woods, and I love the passion of 
the hunt and being present and just like letting myself go and like trying to get in the mind of especially like people think turkeys are dumb but if you've been out into the woods actually hunting them not just like in the target parking lot yeah you know turkeys in the woods are really hard oh i've been hunting them for over 10 years and selvin shot one yeah i mean they like if they see you like 300 yards away they're gone they're gone gone so um Hunting a turkey in a ghillie suit with a bow is hard. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, um, um, it's so hard. I've only shot three, Tony. With oh, my, gosh. You were with just my bow. It <laughs> with a bow. Yeah. I'm out there with a shotgun and I still can't yeah. shoot a freaking so, turkey. Um, maybe we can get you lessons. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I wanted you to come turkey hunting with me. Yeah. Exactly. So you can show me how to actually. Drop one. Yeah. So maybe this year. Maybe this year. Well, maybe this year. But sounds like so you have I might to get have some to get new hunting clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and... Blaze Pink and I might just in Minnesota like, is legal oh, yeah. along with Blaze yeah, Orange. Yeah, totally. Um, but, and I'm also just like in a place where, like, I just needed some time to make peace with of it. Of course. Yeah. With everything. Yeah. Um, because for me, self-care has been very crucial throughout this whole process yeah so it's been a process but um you know and in a way as a transgender person i'm still transitioning you know like but we're all transitioning yeah you know i I learned (sighs) gender is a very fluid thing that and it doesn't have to be like it can change for you over your life too which is kind of weird. Like, that's not necessarily a concept everybody might agree with. But, um, you know, as I've learned from the rooms of AA, it's just like more will be revealed. And like, this is the ultimate more will be revealed. Yeah. You know, like, I thought I was this uber masculine male, and I was. So did the world. The world the thought world that thought of you that. too. Everybody thought that. That's the yeah. message that I received. That's, the message that I embraced, it helped keep me safe for many years. Being that man, that protector, that warrior helped keep me safe for many, many years. Yeah. And when I finally felt safe enough in my own skin to come out, I, I don't have, I'm still that warrior person, but I don't have to be. I don't. So I carry a handbag now. And I don't carry a multi-tool, two flashlights, a pocket knife, a spare pocket knife, a gun, a spare magazine, you know, a tourniquet, a multi-tool. I used to carry that stuff every day because I was a protector. It was like Batman, you know, the bat belt or whatever. Um, That's how I moved through the world. And that was, that's what I felt I needed to do to keep me safe. Ironically, I'm in a place where I feel so connected with my own self that um, it's not that I carry or don't carry a gun. Some days I do, some days I don't. I definitely don't want to tell your listeners that I don't ever carry a gun. Cause... <laughs> or that I do always either. <laughs> right. But 
just you never know. I'm just saying. Um, well, it's it's interesting to me. <laughs> it's better to not, you know, yeah. you want to keep that secret identity. You know, Bruce but Wayne it, is Batman. Yeah, it's funny because I guess, and this is maybe where we can bring this chapter of this conversation to a close. But and thank you again. But your okay to to me. Okay, I don't even know how to say this exactly, but what you've done is courageous, but also super vulnerable. Okay, extraordinarily vulnerable. Yeah. So you are walking now through the world in a very vulnerable. You're, you know, in you're walking through the world in a way that people are going to look at you and not always know what to do with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, women are targets of crime. And women are targets of crime, which makes you vulnerable in that mm-hmm. sense too. You're vulnerable because you're trans, mm-hmm. because people will see you and think, "Oh, that they don't understand. Is that person cross-dressing, or is that person doesn't sure. understand?" Yeah, people don't have a fully realized understanding of of transitioning. Yeah, not everybody has that yet. You know, we're moving that way as a society, but mm-hmm. but you're. You you put off, you, you've you've sloughed off this older life of hyper masculine warrior, mm-hmm. and yet in this vulnerability you're stronger. I mean, this is the this is the paradox of of what I see in you as a as a model of a human being. Tony, you totally get it. That is precisely what's happening, and thank you, thank you for seeing me. Because that is precisely what's happening. Sigrid is an even stronger warrior than Mikey ever was. And guess what? Sigrid doesn't even have to use her implements of war to be that strong person. And so, even though I reserve my right to, <laughs> um, I have ceased fighting everyone and everything because I don't have to anymore. And that's the real way of the warrior. The warrior that never has to walk through, that can walk through the world, but never has to fight a battle. And it's not because they're not capable of doing it. They really are. Um, But, you know, my feminine energy is a great tool as well. I disarm people. I disarm people with my truth because people aren't expecting it. But um, thank you for seeing me. Well, thank you for spending this time and, and being willing to talk about it. And I think it'll help a ton of people. Mm-hmm.